film sucks Indie film sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast Yeah South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks Podcast, because Indie Film is awesome. Is that, okay, it it's is. awesome, huh? Yeah. Wow, look at you all rosy today. I am yeah. rosy. Yeah. I got that intro down, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I do. How's everybody doing? Oh, man, never better. Never better, Brock. You lying sons of bitches. Never better, Brock. <laughs> no, you guys look good. Thank you. Thank so you. So do you, Brock. Well, I, I try. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like hard. <laughs> succeed all right so i'm gonna switch it up a little bit and uh, i'm gonna ask myself what's, oh, what's your stuff first time yeah, for everything let me, back, let me, relax, let me do this <laughs> all right mackie yeah this is a big surprise here but what's your suck oh thanks for asking brock you know i was thinking about it and last couple days i've had a couple things one one my air conditioner went out my my first floor and my third floor went out and, jeez uh, where do you live in a fucking mansion i know exactly jesus yes. christ uh so it went out, and uh, we tried to get a temporary repair on it by putting some, um, I guess, whatever juice or whatever they call it. It was two pounds low on Freon. Freon, thank you. And uh, that was temporary fix. So we ended up having to call a guy, and he's coming back, and we're putting in a whole new unit. Second thing was, on Saturday, my hairstylist was sick, and uh, I didn't get my hair cut. So I need my hair cut, and I need this new thing. I know one's small and one's big. Your but... world is crumbling. Yes, no, my, my thought process was thinking about those two things and thinking about independent film is contingency plans. Being able to prepare for that because you don't know what's going to happen, right? I didn't know my air conditioner was going to go out. And I didn't know my hairdresser was going to cancel me on a Saturday. I had everything built around that Saturday to do whatever. But an independent film with being limited on time and money is where do you put your contingencies how do you plan for those because you have to plan for them in the pre-planning stage as mm-hmm. much as you can it sucks on an independent film when you have to think about contingencies but you can't possibly think about everything first of all and what do you put your contingency money into so i just remember on red night at skies some of the contingencies we had yeah some of them we thought about and we thought well if this happens if it rains or we have to shoot here we have to pick up a day here yes we thought about that but there was a lot of stuff we didn't think about and that's that just got me to thinking about what my life and having to come up with contingency plans, move some stuff around in order to pay for an air conditioner, which isn't easy to do. Where do you move money around on a on an independent film, or what don't you pay for, or what do you do? And I just thought that sucks because it's it's tight, it's on a fly, and you got a short schedule, and that's what I was thinking about. Well, Mackie, so maybe I won't lead off again. Your hair looks great. Oh, thanks, buddy. It's a little fuzzy. <laughs> I do need a haircut bad. A little gray. Tuesday. But, Tuesday night. Know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, hopefully she don't cancel on you this time. No, I don't know. It's different. I had to go with a different gal. Oh, son of a bitch. I know. I know. So anyway, so if you don't want me to go first again, <laughs> that's what you get with me. So, well, so then, Brock, what's your suck? One thing that has been on my mind lately, as we were speaking about it earlier this evening, was the things, and I, I've said it before, the things you have to do that you don't want to do in any type of business, but you have to do it to be successful. Now we're doing a podcast because we we love making movies and want to uh, build an audience, build a brand, right? And now to build the podcast, 
we're thinking like, how the fuck do we get more people as to the podcast and involved in our movies? And now we're looking at different YouTube scenarios and this and that. Like, fuck. Well, if you guys remember, I really didn't even want to do a podcast. Yeah, that's true. But you guys made a compelling argument. I went along with it. And actually, I'm having a great time. And it's it's been fun. And now we're thinking about doing some video content other, besides the, the Indie Film Sucks podcast on YouTube. That's kind of not what I signed up for as an actor. But I also didn't sign up to be a producer either. No. So we keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper on things we didn't necessarily want to do, but you have to do to try to be successful. Because if you just wait for luck, I know I spoke about luck before, shit's probably not going to happen. That's my suck. Now, Grega, it's your suck. I think it was either Rockefeller or Carnegie when they asked how they became successful. Uh, he said... I just happened to be standing next to the door of opportunity when it opened, and I slipped inside. Oh. I think my suck is finding that door. Yes. <laughs> where is that? I don't know where that's standing next to the wrong door. <laughs> I'm not standing. I'm standing next to a blank wall. I'm not standing next to any door. You got a dummy knob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. My suck. It's uh, man, just the ever changing nature of film filmmaking the process you know when i started out it was you're going to make a movie you're going to take that movie to festivals then you're going to sell that movie and then based upon that you're going to have a little bit more money to make a better movie next time absolutely none of that applies anymore and like brock just said all the ancillary stuff you have to do because i also did not set out to do podcasts and make YouTube videos and do all these things that have absolutely nothing to do with writing and directing film. All I want to do is write and direct narrative feature films. And I'm not doing any of that. But if you don't do those things in this independent world, then no one's going to see your work. No one's going to hear about your work. No one's going to find you. No one's going to follow you. Your film is effectively going to go nowhere, so you have to do all of these other things that you don't want to do because the odds of your film just catching on and finding an audience all on its own without any work or promotion on your part are infinitesimally small. Yeah, so you're trying to become this really shiny needle in this haystack. And man, it's difficult, and that's what we're grinding through. This sucky part of you know, this part, but I know in life in general with business... Like I said earlier, man, there's so much grinding stuff you got to do just to try and and make your day a positive day. You got to keep it going. And uh, we touched on a minute ago talking about the fun things you like to do, Grega, writing and directing. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the writing for a minute or two or 22 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> 17 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 16 no, so, minutes, 45 minutes. So, Chris, you've written quite a bit. I have. All the, all the things that you have directed, you've written, and also there's plenty of things you've written that you haven't had the chance to direct yet. Correct. And I know you're getting better with every script because I've read them all. Tell me a little bit about the writing process a little bit. I know you spoke about it before, but t- tell us why you make the scripts you do. Well, the script I'm currently working on, which could theoretically be the follow-up project to Red Knight, was first based around the idea in my mind. And not every script works this way, but this script was based around the idea of budget. And a lot of scripts, Hollywood scripts, but a lot of scripts are are written with budget first and foremost. Right? Now, 
that's not taken into account, you know, the, the content, the story, the characters, any of that stuff. All that is obviously about most importance. But I tried to write something, or I'm currently writing something, where I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have X amount of dollars to make this film. So what can I write that's going to fit within X amount of dollars? That was my primary consideration. And then my secondary consideration, what genre is this going to be? So we have established ourselves with the action horror genre with Red Knight at Skies. That's the direction that we're going henceforth and forward is action horror. I wanted to write a follow-up which was directly in line with that. Plenty of action, plenty of horror, and I really wanted to double down on the horror, so I wrote a script about vampires because vampires are very classic horror monsters. We're only going to have X amount of dollars. I wanted to keep it also really simple, so it's set in one location. So the part of the script that I'm at right now is I finally have all of the main characters in the film, which there are seven, so I didn't keep it with a tiny cast. They're all finally gathered in one spot for this thing to go down. So it's taken me a while just to get to that point. If that makes any sense. No, it does. Let no. me can I pick that apart just a little bit? Go ahead. That's probably one of the things I don't know about is writing. So I'm going to try to dive into this a little bit deeper for some of the people out there listening from my perspective. So when you say budget and you look at what what kind of things do you look at in a script that might drive a higher or lower budget? I'm looking at name cast. How much is it going to cost to have a name actor for X amount of days? Since it's an action horror film, stunts. What kind of stunts can we reasonably do with still a low-budget film, right? Even if it's low, mid, six-figure film, there's still only so much we can do, mm -hmm. right? And there's lots of tricks you can do, but essentially I'm writing this as if we're not doing any tricks, right? And as if we're not using models, as if, you know, we're, if we're going to blow up a car, we're going to actually blow up a, an actual car, right? So I'm writing it with, not I'm saying we're blowing up a car, but no, I'm no, writing no, it I, with I those things in mind. Sure. And special effects. Because more than likely, we will be using a high degree of practical effects. Makeup, gunshots. Fire. Fire. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So I'm, I'm trying to build a budget around all of that stuff. Okay. Because we know with the cast, it, it's not going to be a 100% star-studded cast, right? It's going to be a handful of name actors in key roles, relative unknowns or working actors filling out the rest. So you would start with the labor, I guess, as in any business as being your the biggest talent. expense. Right? That's the cost. Yeah. The talent is the cost. So you would say, I, I want one main and maybe two. So that's acts of budget yep so you're writing that knowing you have three people in this seven people total yep and then you're saying okay where are they going what are they doing right in your story how do i contain that within a budget yeah and then you're saying what can i do to not have to rent the hindenburg or whatever you know what i mean you're yeah. not you're right you're not blowing up a big thing like that yeah so okay well that makes sense so you're starting that before you even put a pen to paper that's how you're starting with this script, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, all scripts, because I mean, how do you? Is this always your thought process? It's it's become my thought process in in later years. When I first started writing screenplays, I just I want to make a movie about this, and I would just write it. And and I will say this, even though I I know in the back of my head what our budget's going to be, I'm still not letting that limit me as far as the writing goes. The writing stage is is both. Free and freeing, meaning I, I can use this stage to come up with anything I want to, knowing that right now we're, we're not going to have to make any of it. 
It's when we get to production, it's like, oh, you wrote this shit, and you have to figure out how to make this shit work? You're crazy. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So now you got that, like, formed. Yeah. And now you're starting to how to walk us through the process then. Are you building the story after you get that kind of thought process? Yeah. Okay. I mean, for this, it's it's been an off-and-on affair because before I started this script, I had started a different one, which was not really in our genre. It was more of a classic film noir detective story because I'm a big film noir fan and I've always wanted to make a a film noir detective story. The difference was with, with a lot of the films like, you know, uh, Maltese Falcon mm-hmm. and Thin Man and stuff like that, mm-hmm. those were made during a certain period of time where you didn't have like a lot of on-screen violence. So with this, whenever someone got shot, it was going to be very bloody and very, very modern and stylized. But I, I got about a quarter of the way into that script, and I, I realized that, well, no, this is not the genre we're pursuing post-Red Knight. And if we're going to make another screenplay, it's it's got to be within the same genre. As a matter of fact, we have to double down and make it, I think, even more in the horror genre, which is why I pick vampires. Okay, I want to make a story about vampires. Then I think about, all right, what can you reasonably do for X amount of dollars? Okay, so it's, it's vampires, and it's set under this budget restraint. Now, how can I craft a story that, that works those two things in? Which, then I'll make the outline. I made the outline based upon that. Essentially, one location and vampires and name actors. And then go. And then, after the outline's done, then I start writing the first draft of the script. And it's... The outline is kind of like a roadmap. Okay. But sometimes you get a couple miles down the road and you have to make a left turn. <laughs> and I've done that several times on this script where I've, like, I had the beginning of it written for the longest time. And then I got maybe, I don't know, a quarter into it and I realized, yeah, that's not really the beginning that I want or need because I want to introduce this other character sooner. So I have to go back. And completely rework the beginning. Or I should say, I, I wrote an entirely new beginning, which introduced entirely new characters. And now the beginning of the film is like four or five scenes deep. But it still works where it is. Okay. Yeah, I like I like what you're saying right there. So I, I feel like a, a lot of people feel like they get stuck on that roadmap and they can't deviate. But then if you came up with a, another idea for another character or a whole new character... And you you knew you had to fit them in. He was like, "Well, well fuck it, I, it's free to write this shit. Let's just let's just go back and relook at it and see if it can make sense up front." And uh, it, I, I bet if I got to see the first couple pages of the old script and compared it to the the newer one, which I haven't, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd probably agree. Like, yeah, this this is more entertaining. This is it grabs me more. Well, let me put it this way: the original opening hits really hard the new opening hits harder in my opinion i, I think the opening is key especially in today's world mm-hmm. is as far as what people like want to see to keep yeah. them interested in the rest of the movie unfortunately that's just the way i think genre the movies well, are going now we got a pretty good opening in red night of skies we oh, do oh yeah absolutely but i mean yeah but that's what you're saying we grab them up front and then they're on for the ride. Right, and the rest of the story is just as good, but you yeah. hit, them hard, hit them hard coming out of the box. And 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 I'm not going to go into any of the specifics of Red Knight of Skies, but going back to the script of that, there was one particular scene in that film 
which was in there. It's not in the final movie, but it was in there for the longest time. And I thought, this scene has to be in here, and it has to work this way. But I couldn't get, there was no way for me to get around it or through it or to continue the story past it in a way that made logical sense to me. So I was stuck there writing it forever Hmm. until I was talking to someone about it. They said, well, what if instead of that thing happening, it doesn't happen like that at all? You know, because I'm being vague because I don't want to give it away. Sure, sure. No, but opening it up and saying something to somebody, yeah, all of a sudden just cleared it up in a couple minutes. Yeah. Once that person said, "What if that didn't happen there at all?" and that changed everything for me, and I said, "You're right. It doesn't have to happen there." This thing I was stuck on forever, I was able to completely get rid of, and it, it changed the direction of the story, and it made it hundred times better. Is that because you can't get out of your own way sometimes when you're writing because you're just stuck on this line and you think that's how you have to get to the ending? Oh, yeah. No, that's exactly it. Because for me, writing is a very linear process. I, I wish it wasn't because I'll start going down this path and I'll think, okay, I know how this begins. I know how it ends. The middle is always the tough part. But I'm, I'm always kind of going down this path until I hit a block. And then I'll be stuck at that block for who knows how long until I can find a way over, around, or through it just because I just tend to think in that linear way. That doesn't mean every script I've written is a linear story. For instance, Cruiser yeah, takes place two timelines, seven years apart, and that worked out well. I don't remember if that even started that way initially, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of get stuck on a point, and if I, can't, if I can't find a way around it or over it or through it or under it or whatever, sometimes the story can die on the vine. Yeah, I remember with Cruiser, we went back and forth uh, at, from the beginning. Because the be- beginning of it's really good, but to make the end end like it does, we had to change a few things at the beginning. We didn't restructure a whole lot, but there's a few things that the character had to do up front to make it make sense at the end. So going back to budget and location, location could be a town. Yes. Right, it doesn't necessarily be a house. or So you say one location, it's one general, we don't have to pick up and move, and location scout. It's yeah. kind of finding a geographical area that's relatively close. Is that what you mean by that? That's what I mean by that. But okay. sometimes it can mean like one room. It can mean one... Mm-hmm. Right, depending on what you're writing, but for your when you say one location in a vampire movie, I was trying to put the two and two together and try to see where you're going it's with that. It's in a coffin. The <laughs> right. whole movie, you're in a coffin. That'd be awesome. Yeah. No, that'd be great. We see some guy transition. That'd be a short. Yeah, <laughs> very short. Yeah. Um, and the second thing was, is are you thinking the amount of days it's going to take? Because as a producer on Red Night, I learned... Each day costs a certain amount of money, depending on who's on set, talent, crew. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it depends on who's on set that each day is going to cost a certain amount of money. I'm, I'm roughly, right? But I'm, I'm not going to know exactly until the script is done. Okay, so it's a general budget within yeah. whatever money. It's ultra low budget. Is it going to be higher than that? Yeah. Right? You're talking... So uh, we've had other guests on here, and they've talked about their script writing, and it's uh, some of them are, you know, just about the art of the story, the art of the film or whatever. And we have a little bit of a different approach. You're, you're looking at it from a business side before you even put the pen to paper, so to speak. Yeah, and I didn't start that way. I right. started with, you know, I, I want to make the movie I want to make. I want to make, you know, call it art, call it whatever you will. But after doing this for a number of years, and certainly with our last film, I've just learned a lot of things like film is an art form, but it's a subjective art form. And if you want to make more movies, you need to make movies that make money or be independently wealthy and not care about it. 
Yeah, or man. or just make micro-budget films that you don't care what happens to them, if they get an audience or not. There's nothing wrong with any of those approaches. But if the basic standard where you want to make a film that returns money to the investors and ideally make another film, you need to make a film that makes money. Right? Story always comes first. Yeah. And then within that, you put in all the business elements. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to make crap. I want to no, make, no, no, I agree. I want to make something that's entertaining. But if you mm-hmm. just thought about it, we were talking about business, but if you just thought about the business elements, it, you necessarily wouldn't have a good movie. Yeah. And I mean... You need all of it. And here's the thing about, you know, this whole endeavor. There is no secret sauce, right? If if people knew what the secret sauce was, every movie would be successful. There are multi-million dollar Hollywood films that tank. Yeah. Every day, every weekend, some new movie comes out that just goes right down the toilet. It's a combination of so many things. You know, the right place, right time. Luck plays a factor. But also how you market, how you position. All that crap. It all... There is no one simple way to do this. There is no one explanation. Man, it'd be great if there was, but there's not. But it starts with the writing. It starts with the writing. That's the one thing you can control if you are a writer, director, is you can control the story. The other shit is out of your control. And while we're on the subject of script writing, and and I've read lots of scripts over the years, Um, Hollywood scripts, uh, one of my favorite is Terminator. And the Rocky script is written fantastic, too. But not going to those big Hollywood scripts, Mm -hmm. I've read... A lot of scripts who independent filmmakers had sent me over the years. Some surprised me. But there's some of the scripts that I'll look at, and there's uh, notes in the script. You know, like directorial notes and, and directions, that how the camera's moving and everything in a script. That's not a, a polished script to send anybody unless you're producing and you're just working with the script, uh, working with them to get the script solid. But uh, if you're out there listening and you're trying to get somebody a script and it's not 100% complete in a, in a good in the correct format don't send it or at least let them know yeah, or no. what you're trying to get from them yeah because when it's sent to me and I see a, a script that's not finished or has notes in it I'm quotation marks uh, I look at it as not being professional are they sending it to you as an actor or your opinion? Uh, as an actor. Yeah, I would see. I could see how that'd be. You'd be like, "What's yeah, this?" Yeah, not as not as my opinion on what how you think the script is looking. It's here's the movie we're shooting. Oh, here's a character I'd like you to be. <laughs> You're like, what's this? And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Don't don't send that to anybody. You know, make sure your script is finished and polished before you send it out to anybody. Unless it's a producing partner and you're, and you're looking for help for a certain scene or something, I get that. But yeah, I, so I, I had that happen a handful of times over the, over the years. So when do you start sending yours out, Chris? What's, what do you, well, how many drafts? I mean, I get, I know every project's different and every writer's different. And what's your process when? Third draft. Third draft, you start asking. The third draft is when I start asking people that I know for their opinions. And here's the thing. When you ask someone to give you feedback, a lot of people, you, you know, they're not, they're going to take forever to read your script. You know, because you send out, hey, I'm going to send you my script. Can you give, give me some feedback? Oh, yeah, sure. And you're expecting a quick turnaround. It's never a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. You send it out there, and then you might not hear back. You might not hear back ever. But you <laughs> might you definitely probably won't hear back for like a week or two. Because, and, and I'll say this, uh, a lot of scripts are really bad. And it's a 
huge chore reading a bad screenplay. I've read a lot of really terrible screenplays. Mm. I like to think I'm a pretty decent screenwriter, but, eh, you know, results may vary. Yeah, you pick a handful of people that you know and trust that are going to be honest with you. And by honest, I don't mean they're going to just tell you it's great and they're not going to be overly critical, right? You don't need someone who's just going to rip it to shreds and not give you any useful criticism. Mm, that right. that that doesn't help you any more than someone who's like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever read. Like, ah, I, I'd like to hear, like, well, I really like this one part with this character, or, hey, this other part with this other, with this car scene, it just didn't make any sense. Like, how'd they, they get there? Or, yeah. Exactly. And if you get three or four people that they all kind of hammer the same points, good or bad, like, okay, you know you're onto something, or you know you have to fix something. So then, after I get that feedback, I'll probably do another, you know, three, four, five drafts, and then it goes to the professional screenwriting services, which is, we've talked about this before, you pay someone 100, 200, 300 bucks for one, two, or three screenwriters, and our uh, screenplay readers, and they read it, and they give you notes, professional notes, and, you know... They'll give you a score or something. No, I really, score, I, yeah. I really appreciated seeing that aspect of it when we did that for, for Red Knight and some yeah. other scripts. That when you got that back is, I was like, holy cow, because they didn't know each other. Yeah. And what is it, 25 different points, and they're all kind of looking at the same. And you know the ones they're all dead on about. You're like, we yeah. got that 100% right. I've got a lot of mileage, a lot of use out of those services. I've, I've used them for multiple scripts, and they've always made it better. They're worth the money. Yeah, I def- think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth the money. And then I'll do another draft or two or three or whatever after mm-hmm. that. And then at that point in time, depending on where we are in the uh, in the process, we might start towards production or at least start towards fundraising mm-hmm. or you know start towards the next step of the process. And people listening to this, I mean, they're probably thinking, man, that sounds like a whole lot of work. It is. That's part of the suck. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's the creative part, which is also cool for the screenwriter. I've never written a script. I've got treatments I've written, a handful of them, but I've never written a full script. I keep that to the professionals like Greg. But it is a whole lot of work. It's a whole lot of sitting down and thinking and writing, and it's that's a it's a chore. It is. And, you know, I, I try to write every day, but there are some days I get nothing written. Some days I get a lot written. It's a muscle that you have to exercise like anything else. You can't just sit down. I mean, maybe there's a handful of people who can just sit down and bust out a right. script. It takes me several months to write a screenplay. That's pretty That's pretty quick, though, really. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's usually anywhere from three to six months to knock out a script. So it's it's a long process. The idea itself, the idea is easy. The idea is free. The idea is cheap. But the, the script itself, what you have to drag that idea out, that's, you got to put a lot of hours of work into that. So when you send these out to your friends or you're looking, before you get to the professional people reviewing it, uh, are you calling them afterwards? Is that how they give you feedback? How do you like your feedback back? doesn't matter. I mean, we can talk about it. You can send okay. me an email, you know, whatever. Just give me honest feedback, you know. And, and I have learned, because I've got a pretty big circle of friends, I've learned who I can send these things to who are going to give me the best honest feedback. And I've learned which people who are just going to make me feel good and tell me, oh, it's so great, I love it. And I've also learned which people which are just going to, they're going to sour everything. If I send it to them, no matter no matter what it is, they're it's never going to be good enough. It's never going to be bad. good enough. Kind of like when you show them the movie. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. So at what point, though, do you start thinking about the next step, which is pre-production or 
breaking the script down or that kind of stuff. Is that right when the writers, you know, when you send it off to those independent writers, is it on your last three? Because you can start some of the stuff early. I don't really start thinking about that until the script is almost done. Okay. And and let me let me clarify what I mean by done. The script is never really done. Even when you're in production. You're, you're writing on set sometimes. You're writing on set. I, I mean, I did rewrites on set. I added, I took away things. And then again, once you get to the editing process, that's that's another sort of rewrite. But the actual screenplay is never really done. Where it's it's done enough and you're happy enough that you're ready to start the pre-production process. What point that is, what draft that is, I cannot say. Because if we ever get a chance to make Cruiser, our boxing film, I know that before we make any serious discussions about that, I'm going to take another look at the screenplay, and there's probably going to be another draft or two that's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and this this script has been done for... Oh, we would have done it if we could have. Yeah. It, it, it's right. been... Well, it's, it's been... I don't think I've touched it since like 2018 or 2019. Yeah, I think it's 2019. And I have another feature-length screenplay that I wrote called Southsider. I've been sitting on that for a number of years. You know, we're, we're sitting on two completed scripts. Either one could be a viable feature film. Neither one really fits in with our, our current the horrors. horror yeah, kind of style. Driving, yeah. yeah. So, so I, sorry, I ask a ton of questions here because I don't understand the process. I just know when it's done and when we start production. Yeah. So is, is it? have you ever written anything that it, when you get it to the actual trying to do it, you're just like, this doesn't work on film? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's got to suck. Yes. <laughs> my, uh, my second screenplay that I ever wrote called Shuffle. So this is post-amphetamine. And this was 2005. But this was a movie about boxing and the bar game of shuffleboard. And I tried to marry the two. So it was kind of like this action comedy buddy film. And it didn't work at all. But it, it looked good on paper. It didn't even look good on paper. Oh, it did not look good on paper. Okay. No. It's just, I, I tried so hard to make it work. Because that was the next movie that I wanted to make after Amphetamine. And I had... a. A writing partner, and and I've never had a successful writing partner. It's just never worked out for me. But everything I did with this script, it just didn't work. It just cannot work. It's not a good story. It's not a good concept, and it's not a good script. It was a good writing exercise. It was a good writing exercise. I just think that's very interesting, especially for people listening, that it just doesn't necessarily work, even though you did the full formula, right? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, same process, same everything. You're just going, wow. Yeah, <laughs> what it, was I thinking? It's it's just bad. And every person I sent it to to read, it that, that never went to a professional screenplay service. It wasn't good enough for that. But every person I sent it to, nobody liked it. <laughs> nobody had anything good to say about it. And I couldn't disagree with, with, with anybody. It's just a bad concept, poorly executed. We did make a investor teaser for Shuffle. Which I mean, that looks pretty reasonable. It turned out pretty good, actually. The lost footage. So, yeah. so, so you wrote a shitty screenplay and went in and decided, well, fuck it, I'm gonna go <laughs> and make an investor trailer. Oh, no, yeah. Like, well, no, honestly, I think you were so invested in this thing and I you was, wanted to do it so I bad. I was so on board with this that I wanted it so right. bad that I was just gonna force it through no matter what. Right. But okay, so let's get serious for a second. I think you listened. You weren't gonna listen to anybody then. Right, you were gonna make this. Yeah, come hell or high water. Yeah. Now I think you're well. Obviously, you're a better writer. You've been through a lot of other stuff, but I think you're more open to listen to people 
and understand and you, you there's a lot of people in your world that have film experience oh yeah they're definitely. gonna be like what what are you thinking here Greg? do you realize what actually takes to do this or this or to make that right you need well show or a uh, cruiser yeah it needs car crash it yeah need, it needs that other element to make it a big budget film so it's just things like that to go you know hey what were you thinking here there's not enough big elements in this movie or there's not this or there's not that yeah, I mean there were there were big elements in Shuffle, but it just none of it worked. Well, just, no, because the script didn't work. So do you do you ever like write a few things and you go like, "Fuck, I only got X amount of money." I'm thinking this is definitely not going to work, and just then go back. You just wait till you already finish your initial uh, draft. Wait till it's done. I'll okay. just you know because writing's free. Okay. So I can write you know whatever big e- explosive thing because it doesn't cost any money, and then go back and say, "Yeah, we can't do that," and then scale it back. Okay. Yeah. Or take it out. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I would think the other drafts would give you more, like, information to chew on. If, if you're going down another path, you're like, wait a minute, I could combine draft three and draft six, and that's a really good idea. Yeah. Or, you know, the more you write, I think the better off you're going to be. Less is more, as you've always said. You know what? You want more white on the paper than black. It's totally opposite of a novel. Yes, yes, it is. There's an old adage for screenwriting or for storytelling in general. It's uh, enter late, leave early. Meaning, get into the scene at the last possible minute and get out as soon as you can, right? I tend to write my stuff really lean. Everything I write comes in usually 90 pages or under. Don't write things you cannot possibly know that you can have. As in, I don't write something about, uh, oh, there's a Rolling Stone song plays on the radio because I know we're not going to be able to get a Rolling Stone song, right? You don't have very specific things like that. You know, you don't have specific car models you don't have specific unless you, got them. Unless you have them yeah i mean if i want to write a 2018 dodge challenger yeah we can cover that because mm-hmm. that's what i drive but apart from that you don't write specifics you write generalities not just smart independent film writing yeah and sometimes you get lucky like in red night of skies we got a 68 camaro yes totally restored yes then we blew it up Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it was still open-ended. We just needed a classic car. <laughs> yes. Because I, I, I wrote that specifically for a 68 Firebird that my buddy had. Except it wasn't running, and it was buried under a pile of junk. Didn't tell you that. <laughs> no, he didn't tell me that, but I hadn't talked to him about it in forever. So I'm like, oh, wow, what are we going to do? And then we happened to get this 68 Camaro. It's like, that's perfect. Worked All right. out. All right. So what else are we talking about, Chris? Oh, well, I guess uh, we're talking about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the Any Film Sucks podcast, brought to you by 88mm Productions on all the places that you can find it if you're looking for such things. All right, we're going to take off. Chris is getting a haircut. Good night. Indie Film Sucks. Indie Film Sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast Yeah